Hey, what's happening, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us for the final week of Nintendo Month 2016. Once again, this is a podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. The last week of Nintendo Month, uh, kind of a bittersweet moment every year when we come to this final week of November. We're actually recording this episode um, on Thanksgiving Day uh, Absolutely. for us. So it, we definitely feel kind of in a celebratory mood. Festive. And I think this episode will be a very fitting send-off for Nintendo Month 2016. Um, if you guys remember back to our first episode of Nintendo Month, a few weeks back, we uh, focused on Shin Onigashima. Mm-hmm. And at the end of that episode, we played some music from uh, its sequel game, Yuyuki. Yeah. And that music, if you remember, was composed by the composer, which we will be spotlighting today, the wonderful and talented Miss Soyo Oka. She's a composer that we all wish that we could have seen more of her uh, throughout the years. I think she eventually kind of retired from the video game industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's just absolutely one of the greats. You know, yeah, she worked from at the 8 bit era through the 16 bit era. She worked era. at Nintendo from 1987 to 1995 and did some of the biggest releases when you think about. When we think about the classic SNES right. titles, you know, Pilot Wings, Mario, Mario Kart, Kart Sim, Sim City, All Stars. I mean, she she was an absolute heavy hitter at Nintendo, and she is incredibly talented. We're going to be spotlighting her entire career today, and it is bittersweet that it's the last week of Nintendo Month, but we're going to go out having an absolute blast today. Yeah. Her music is so fun, so exciting. Uh, it's just it's just such a treat. So, well, it, what's interesting is a lot of uh, composers that we've focused on in Nintendo Month uh, have often been tapped in similar positions of really following in the footsteps of Koji Kondo in many cases. Uh, I, I think we talked about that a lot with Kazumi Tataka. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's there's plenty of incredibly talented Nintendo composers that have been tasked with the role of either working on a Mario or, or Zelda game that's meant to get into that same sort of headspace. Sure. And I, I don't know if my nostalgia is like coloring this, but I, I, part of me really feels like Soya Oka is my favorite. Because she's the when, best. when she's putting on the Mario Mario hat it it's able to feel her own she she finds her own way into it so it feels completely original and it is able to get into the world of what Koji Kondo does but she also has her own harmonic kind of jazz language oh for sure uh, and she just writes some of the well, best melodies of that era she definitely has her own style and some of her like her own taste that that you'll hear in her soundtracks but I guess it feels like you're in good hands yeah it feels like the Mario series it's not it's not something where it's like oh why did they do that like every every choice feels very uh, comfortable for well, the series and I, I think she finds sort of in a original way in uh in that it doesn't feel like a caricature mm-hmm. um i think sometimes we hear composers and sometimes they'll be successful in a certain soundtrack and maybe there'll be you know discrepancies from piece to piece sure uh but with soyo oka's music it it ranges from being on the nose like really able to feel like it could have been written by Koji Kondo to something that's so different but in a lovely way well, one she thing makes it all her I own. I would like to argue and we're going to hear this as we move on today as I would say in the 16-bit era she was potentially the most high-profile composer that was writing jazz fusion music. If you listen to a lot of the the scores there's like this really experimental jazzy kind of hip fusion sound that 
someone at that high profile working on these really big Nintendo games. It was cool that that she was allowed to do that. Well, and uh, arguably the influence of those soundtracks mm-hmm. uh, was very great to the yeah. face of gaming and game music. Well, let's go. Let's start with what you guys heard playing in was the wonderful title screen to Super Mario Kart. We're going to come back to that later. But before, let's start with one of the first things. I think the first thing she ever worked on at Nintendo. Uh, there is a series of sports games for the NES, and Koji Kondo did um, the vast majority of them. This was one that so you Oka composed it's ice hockey yeah the the cool thing about those sports games is to me this is sort of like early arcade centric mm-hmm. nintendo yep where there there was this i'm really fascinated by that time period because there's this real sense of kind of unity between all the soundtracks whether yeah. it's hip Tanaka or koji kondo and it really or doesn't Akito matter Nakatsuka, what Soyo sport Oka. it is does it yeah, yeah exactly let's take a listen to team selection from ice hockey by soyo Oka. You guys are listening to Team Selection from Ice Hockey by Soyo Oka for the NES. Uh, man, this is, just makes me smile. Uh, there's a period of time when this uh, NSF was credited to Koji Kondo, but in the past maybe couple years, it has since been updated uh, to be credited to Soyo Oka, which is, which is great. You know, anytime we're able to get more accuracy on, on crediting, especially in this era, it's it's always it's always a treat because you know an episode like this we get to we get to feature this music. This but is so I wonderful. I feel like that that sort of shines a spotlight. It's a good frame of reference for this episode. Yeah. That for a long time we thought this was Koji Kondo, sure. and to me that's a testament to how great this music is, but also a testament to that early stage of Nintendo where I feel like all the composers were kind of taking their instincts, but also stretching them a little bit to match this unified sound and. Um, throughout the course of time, I think our, the video game music and Nintendo music especially got much more interesting. Um, but as a result of that, I do think it lost that sense of like clear, oh, okay. unified aesthetic. And that might be for the better, but I'm particularly fascinated by this time period because all those sports games, they're almost designed over the same template in yeah. terms of how the music functions. Um, and I really think you can take scores by... Hirokazu Tanaka and Koji Kondo and Soyo Oka and Akito Nakatsuka and they all sound like they're composed by the same well, person. They all have the same kind of very cutesy cartoon like child friendly tone which is so funny especially for a sport as intense and as violent as hockey See, I think to have this kind of music for is them, hilarious. That was the language of video games and that's right. I think it's really important to understand that because that became the basis of what Super Mario well, is I and think, what the Legend well, you of make Zelda a good is. point. This at the time, this was what video game music was and right. some people might call it cliche um but this was before we had those examples um from you know hip tanaka making something like metroid those sure. examples that pushed what video game music could actually well, be all this music it, it sounds very you know 1930s 1940s right. it has this jazz harmony there's this sweet uh and she's really good at that yeah i mean 
absolutely. I, I, I think that's something that people associate with Koji Kondo because mm-hmm. it became kind of one of the, the genre buttons for the Super Mario series. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I really, that's why it's nice to go back because I think it shows like that's just sort of Nintendo's uh, interpretation of video game music, that it kind of has that old-timey vaudeville uh, palette in terms of melody and harmony. Absolutely. Well, now let's move on to a title that we've never featured on the podcast. This is exciting. We're going to move on to a game that Soyo Oka composed for the Famicom Disk System. It's called Versus Excitebike. So it's basically the same Excitebike game, but you can play it Versus. And right. It was only released for the Famicom Disk System in 1988. Really great soundtrack. Nothing like the original Sidebike. It reminds me just more of her FDS, you know, her other FDS scores. It's really cool stuff. We're going to play a little montage here of a couple short pieces of music. We have Title Screen and Versus Edit Mode. Let's take a listen. Soyo Oka is such a regal composer. I mean, yeah, she's using jazz, she's using show tunes, but her music is just so, like, regal and, like, um, just, like, I don't know, it feels, like, very royal. Well, it's very polished, and I, I especially think in the context of, in this case, the FDS, the disc system, but really just a 1980s video game, mm-hmm. There's there's something about that harmony which in this context feels very sophisticated it, does. it really elevates the entire medium and it's something that she does so well it's not just the chords she's choosing but the way they're voiced yeah, and the suspensions the, the, yeah the movement of all the voices the the part writing the voice leading it's very natural it's it's the type of sophistication that you would expect to get from like a i don't know a broadway orchestrator or something yeah i don't know it's just this is such a treat i mean you hear when it goes from when it switches from the title screen theme to the versus edit mode theme it's just like soyo oka we love you so much yeah i mean it's these two completely different worlds because mm-hmm. you have this very swung theme and then and, it goes to this and very we talked tempo. about this in our shin episode but again this piece has that pomp and circumstance quality of something that feels kind of final and royal and celebratory. Yeah, there's so many things that became uh, tropes, and I don't really think in a bad way, but just became um, the language with which a lot of composers chose to express certain emotional things in games. In that phenomenon that you're talking about, uh, of the type of harmonic progression that's evoking pomp and circumstance a little bit, something that's very regal and stately, but has this kind of nostalgic emotion to it. That really seems almost like it has a Nintendo trademark on it yeah. when you think of its context in video games. Sure. Well, now we're going to move on to uh, the sequel to Shin Onigashima, and it came out a couple years after the original, and it was composed by Soyo Oka, and she did an incredible job uh, following in the footsteps of Koji Kondo for his very unique score. Uh, she she wasn't too restrictive in how she, you know, very heavily modeled his stuff, but she definitely modeled the overall vibe that he was going for and then took it to some new places. 
voices. So we're going to play a very pretty piece of music. This is the ending of Yuyuki. Now, the full title of this game is Famicom Mukashi Banashi Yuyuki. Let's take a listen to ending composed by Soyo Oka. Wonderful job. Soyo Oka here. The ending to Yuyuki. Sequel to Shin Onigashima. So beautiful. And it's cool hearing this early, uh, you know, this is very, very early Soyo Oka. One of the, maybe like the third... Uh, title she ever worked on but she's already so confident in in going into these bold new directions i i don't know i think this is a very impressive piece well, of music. she's really just absorbed the video game harmonic language mm-hmm. uh and i think part of that just has to do with uh kondo-san in his team you know i think he was really kind of he was the head, and I think he, um, for many years, and I think you could argue to this day, is sort of like the guiding force of music at that company. Sure. And I, I think uh, she was placed in many situations where just organically her task was to become sort of a student of that music. Um, but I think it also just helped that her background and her natural instincts for composing kind of tended to overlap with what Nintendo music was really about. Sure. And the thing that I think is interesting, you know, when you listen to all this music, you can definitely identify stylistic differences between all these composers. And I think one of the things that makes Soya Oka unique, she she has, you know, of course, an emphasis on great melodies. Her her sense of harmony is similar enough to Koji Kondo, yet she comes at it from more of a, a jazz piano sort of background in in the sense that every single moment is harmonized to its fullest potential. And you yeah. often you often feel like she's a little bit more adventurous with her sense of jazz she score changes. Where with Koji Kondo, you'll get moments of that, but it seems like with him, 
oftentimes, I guess if I'm generalizing, it seems more important to have a purity in terms mm -hmm. of melody and harmony, where oftentimes we just get more simple triadic movement rather than like with Soya Oka, you get these really sort of more advanced yep. chords and voicings in every moment. She is very expressive and she's not afraid to go into territories that we don't really often hear in video games, especially at this time. We, 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 we definitely wouldn't have heard before in video games. Well, it's really exciting. We're going to move on to really where she made a name for herself on the Super Nintendo. Let's move on to one of the launch games for the SNES. This is Pilot Wings. First came out in 1990 in Japan and then 91 in North America. We're going to play a handful of tracks from Pilot Wings. Oh my gosh, that's a wonderful score. Let's play a little one-two punch here. This is the opening and Flight Club from Pilot Wings. You guys are listening to Opening and Flight Club is what you're hearing right here from Pilot Wings. Gosh, it's just it's it's just it's pure jazz. Like it's actually goes farther into those outside genres than other Nintendo composers ever had yeah. before. I mean, Pilot Wings is a great example of what I was talking about before. Jazz it's a jazz fusion score, and it's maybe one of the most popular SNES games that anyone's ever played. It's a launch title. It's this huge profile game. And I don't know. I'm just, I'm just so thankful for composers like Soyo Oka that are kind of exposing a new generation right. to the type of music they'd never heard well, before. Well, it's the interesting thing. Uh, with, with this project, Koji Kondo was the sound director, and so he actually wrote the first piece of music to be written for this game. Helicopter. It was a, yeah, yeah, a track called Helicopter. And he sort of wrote that to give direction for Soyo Oka of mm -hmm. just kind of, I guess, I think emotionally in terms of rhythm, how to score that type of game, because it was also a really bold uh, choice for Nintendo. I mean, this game was really showing off the Super Nintendo hardware, and I, I think, I, I imagine uh, there was a little bit of wonder as to how should it be scored. It was a really good idea for him to kind of show her exactly how, how to start off, but what's important to mention is that he didn't do sound, he did sound programming. Right. So he actually implemented her compositions. Right, and the other thing that I think is so... Uh, wonderful about the direction that he gave um as great as that track is what when i think of pilot wings all of the more jazz elements really feel like more just a part of Soya Oka's natural musical expression. Absolutely. That's the stuff that she really feels passionate about. And what's so great is when you take Koji Kondo, Soya Oka, Kazumi Tataka, you know, these great Nintendo composers, they mm -hmm. really sort of established the sound that I feel like the, the new generation of composers now are trying to hit that bar. I can and see that. From everything from actual game music to, you know the music that plays when you're in the eShop on the sure. Nintendo Wii U. I mean, like, all the music that, you know, 
is meant to represent that company. It, now there's all this intention behind its sound and its aesthetic, but I really think it just comes down to these individuals that were really passionate and were incredibly talented, and this was the type of music and they wanted to express. They were at the right place at the right time, you know, studying music. She studied music in college, and when she graduated, oh, look, at there's this company that uh, had a position open. It was just, it was a match made in heaven. Let's move on to an amazing track, an absolute classic for the SNES. This is Light Plane from Pilot Wings. amazing music you guys are listening to light plane from pilot wings one thing will wanted to clarify when i said nintendo was a budding company i didn't mean overall i meant uh, as far as hiring game composers it wasn't something they were doing uh many years previous to that uh, obviously they've nintendo been around has, yeah a rich since a long rich time. history they, they've been around for many 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 years and, and the company goes back to I think some of their earliest stuff they were one of the sure. first like Japanese trading card companies. Yeah. And- well, let's 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 stay on, on on track on on this piece of music. What's so cool about this is uh, I think Will and myself agree that it feels very Kondo-esque. Uh, it feels like something he would compose. For me, but, especially but, in terms of the melody. But there are moments of jazz influence that right. go farther than Koji probably would have been comfortable going. Sure, yeah, I, I think he has this, um, I think part of that might just have to do with age or, or maturity, but to me with Kondo-san's music, there's this this level of restraint and, and tastefulness, and not to say that Soya Oko's music isn't tasteful, but I just get the sense that she's really... Um, she's fearless. Yeah, yeah, she feels free to want to express these types of harmonies the other thing we have to remember this is a super nintendo launch game i really think the idea in the task here is that we have these additional channels you know we're no longer confined to writing these three voice pieces we want to show off what's great about this console in getting these four voice five voice you know six note chords oftentimes gives you this sense of fullness this and it opens up sort of new uh harmonic world so to speak it opens new possibilities for what the chords can do and how and not just the chords but another thing aspect about this piece when we think about music on the nes there's different ways that composers evoked it but Mm -hmm. in general it's safe to say a lot of the music had baseline melody and harmony sure sometimes there might be a sense of like counterpoint or all the voices having a different role but if we look at the way this piece works you have a clear baseline you have a clear melody and then you 
have multiple voices giving you kind of the rhythmic chord mm-hmm. support. And I think the early composers that worked on the Super Nintendo were sort of setting that standard for how do you, you know, what kind of textures do you create well, in this in general, new world? You know, the fact that this is a launch game, Will, it's important that we do remember that. You're right. Because I think what's so important is that they wanted to wow people. In this game, you know, the effects and the, the fact that it's 3D, it was definitely intended to, this needs to be almost like a tech demo, really, of right. this new hardware. So with the music, in some ways, I feel like even if Koji Kondo served as more of like a directorial kind of supervisory role, he probably was a little bit okay just letting her go into whatever right. direction she wanted because they wanted it to feel new and Another fresh. Another thing we have to talk about just emotionally this game is about flying and so much of this music really really. evokes that that sense of soaring with koji's Mm -hmm. piece he did this great kind of rhythmic device to give you the sense of the helicopter yeah with this piece i feel like the rhythmic aspect of it um, feels correct, but particularly that B section just soars. Bah, 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 well, jazz, bah. I mean, uh, this borders on smooth jazz for sure, and that kind of music is, no one can disagree. It's relaxing at the very least, right? Uh, so that's definitely a good choice for flight. What's interesting is how uh, for Pilot Wing 64, that was also a jazz fusion score. So Soyo Oka's um, kind of style of this music scoring flight was something that was continued in, you know, albeit a slightly different way. Um, so I'm curious to see if they ever make a new entry in Pilot Wings, what the music will be like. Let's move on to another piece of music. This is Skydiving. Let's take a listen. great track you guys listening to skydiving from pilot wings and this one is a little bit more tense uh in some ways than than the tracks we've heard before it still feels like jazzy and it still feels fairly comfortable um but yeah there is a sense of urgency in this track that you don't necessarily feel in light plane which kind of makes sense you know skydiving is, is kind of a scary proposition then again though like so much of the soundtrack what i love is just kind of how chill and laid back it is i think this game yeah in general it's sort of an exercise based game i mean it's like yes it's skydiving and you're mm-hmm. flying planes and there's a hang glider and everything it's definitely but, relaxed you know it's it's so leisure i mean i think the game itself is very difficult but when you think about these activities in context with what you do in a lot of games you know where you're <laughs> killing like, jump, people yeah, yeah jumping around shooting and you know there's the sense of adventure uh with pilot wings uh this i, I just love park, how yeah. yeah she really takes this laid back approach and i think this soundtrack really um, positioned her and contextualized her as a composer is someone who can do this very chill kind of laid back jazzy thing which was perfect for a certain type of game that was starting to emerge at this time Will you make a great point what if the fact that she went for this style and did it so effectively and so successfully what if that kind of in some ways got her typecast at Nintendo to do that kind of music right I would love to be able to to 
interview um, Soyo Oka, uh, she's actually only three years younger than Koji Kondo, so they're kind of really peers age-wise. So, all right, guys, one final track we're going to play from Pilot Wings before we move on to her other work. Let's take a listen to Rocket Belt. Oh my gosh, that that lead instrument is so silly. But there's something impressive about it, especially in the context of 1990. You would have been like, oh, that's so cool. Listen to that little voice. That's really hip. And it is hip. Uh, This is Rocket Belt from Pilot Wings. This might be the most chilled out track of the game. It's just super feel good. Like, there's not a lot of pressure when you're listening to this. I think that's that was the right call, you know, because you're right, Will. This game is fairly challenging. And well, if what I, I think like about this one, there's sort of an attitude to it. I mean, I think snarky. the last one, in terms of, like, chords and everything, it was much more kind of chill and, you oh, know, yeah. easygoing. Uh, this one maybe. uh <laughs> I don't know. I just I love that kind of attitude. This one's There's so hilarious. much personality to it. That's what's ah, what's so great about um, just composing in general is that you can give you know ten different composers uh, the same task and they'll all come away with something different. And it's not that they're yeah. trying really hard to be boldly different, but everyone has their own thing, just like everyone has their own thumbprint. And what's so interesting to me about this example and what I so love about uh, Nintendo is there seems to be the sense of camaraderie amongst the composers in this idea of aiming for a unified sound. Yeah. But what it shows is that these composers are still individuals and as mm-hmm. much as they may try to uh, kind of create in a non-selfish way for the purposes of, of meeting something greater. Yeah, I think one thing... Their individuality still shows One thing through. that they're not able to see is their individuality. Yeah. Like, I think if you talk to Soyooka, Koji Kondo, these composers, they would say, oh, no, we're just trying to do one thing. But realistically, sorry, guys, you do have your own style. And when I hear a Soyooka track... It is unmistakably her. And right. maybe they wouldn't be happy to hear that, but it makes me super happy to hear that individualistic style. I, I, I just absolutely love it. All right, we're going to now move on to the next title she worked on. It came out the following year. This is Sim City. It was, it was released in 1991. Amazing soundtrack by Soyo Oka. Uh, just, I don't know, in some ways just really ahead of its time. Obviously, this first game was very ahead of its time, and the music matched perfectly. You know, the different... Uh, ports and platforms this game had saw different music there's no question this is the best music we had and the snes version right uh let's play four tracks from SimCity because it's so dang good let's start off with title by soyooka
That is amazing. You guys just listened to a very simple, brief piece of music that is titled from Sim City. Okay, if if she is not a student of Koji Kondo, I don't know mm-hmm. who is. I mean, th- this this piece is really just the chord progression that mm-hmm. it's like the the end credits kind of go to progression. If you think of Super Mario Brothers three sure. the end titles that we played for you uh, last week, I mean, this is the imagine you can sing on top of this Sim City track. Yeah, da 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 da. I mean that. Um, but that's what's so wonderful about Nintendo is mm-hmm. uh, it, these gestures that feel very specific almost become uh, a paintbrush where no longer is is that uh, that that chord progression that Koji used that that felt very specific and was really emotional and kind of on the nose for the certain kind of thing. Now it becomes sort of up for grabs as not just being for Mario, but being the fabric of uh, Nintendo music in general. Yeah, well, we're going to play more music uh, from the series. And what's great is now we're going to play music that really characterized the uniqueness of the score. Let's take a listen to Town. a delightful piece of music. You guys are listening to Town from SimCity, composed by Soyo Oka. I, I think the implementation here is exquisite, especially for 1991. I think she's she's really great at, you know, choosing samples for the Super Nintendo and implementing them. Really good instrument sounds here. Beautiful piece of music. It's very natural in the classical influence. She studied classical music amongst other genres of music, and you know, in college. So she's definitely trained and very familiar uh, with a natural way of incorporating them. And as you move on, uh, you know, as as human history progresses in this game, obviously the music gets more modern, right? Sure. And so that's what's so wonderful. Uh, we, we should probably mention, so the, the original designer of this game, Will Wright, uh, obviously, the success of Sim City led to other spin-offs such as The Sims, uh, you know, Sim Tower. Sim. There's tons of Sim games. So this was a very uh, exciting kind of ground floor type game for people in 1991. Yeah, I, I, I really think this is an excellent piece. I mean, it, it, it becomes a little bit of like a caricature of the classical period, but it's just done so well. You can't, you can't uh, say anything negative about it she's I mean, so just, good at that delightful. legal kind of classical music that makes you feel like the, you want to walk thing down the aisle is um there, there are a few moments where what's happening in the chords are just 
ever so slightly uh, jazzier yes. than what they would have been able to do. Oh, sure. Um, uh, with actual classical harmony. But in terms of uh, the interaction between the bass voice and the melody and, again, the voice leading, it's, it's classical voice leading uh, through and through. And what she does with the melody, the kind of uh, figurations she does, you know, it's those little ornaments that... Kind of our our impression of classical music, yet the way she goes about harmonizing it shows that she really does have uh, the chops. It almost sounds like a piece by Haydn or Mozart. Well, if we were going to spotlight on SimCity, we'd obviously show you the slow progression from town to you know village, town, city. We're sure. going to skip quite a bit and go to Megalopolis. Now, Will, what is a megalopolis? It's bigger than a metropolis. That's all I know. It's it's more mega. So maybe That's it's a futuristic. What I'm guessing, maybe it's like a futuristic metropolis. So even crazier than a metropolis, or just even bigger. It's it's mega. Let's take a listen to Megalopolis. You guys are listening to Megalopolis from SimCity, composed by the wonderful, lovable Soyo Oka. She is just... I want to give her a big hug. Yeah, this is excellent. I love how she is using that kind of, like, Lydian modal jazz thing. What's cool is, like, I don't know... What's wonderful about composers is like if they have a specific style, they can find ways to make that style work for mm-hmm. anything. You're and right. If if her direction in is really through jazz and jazz harmony, it's it's so well versed. You know, when I say jazz harmony, it doesn't mean just one thing. And in an example like this, she uses that I guess more kind of like what I think of like academic jazz, you know, more intellectual kind of, you know, thinking about modes and everything. Sure. I think that is often associated with like the, it so works well for the idea of like the hustle and bustle of the city. Well, another thing I want to mention is that this piece isn't just a jazz piece. It also reminds me of 20th century, other 20th century music, orchestral film music, uh, all mixed together. So that's why it feels at home. You know, there's, 
uh, a, a type of genre called uh, third stream, which uh, kind of combining influence from mm-hmm. classical and jazz. And there was a lot of that happening in the 20th century. To me, a lot of the instances that I, that come to mind would be something like Rhapsody in Blue, where sure. it's more it's more about focusing on taking like blues and the blue scale and those elements of jazz. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, what's cool about this, it's like the the types of harmonies, it feels like she's coming to it from a jazz perspective. Mm-hmm. But rhythmically, when you look at the piece, it's very kind it's straight. of square. Yeah, yeah it's, it, it's it a almost sounds like, music, like yeah. what you'd get in film music. It's wonderful. Well, we're going to play one final piece of music from SimCity. Very short, very simple, very beautiful. This is Bad Evaluation. Sorry, guys. You tried your best, but you failed. believe this is will's favorite right is this your favorite Tsuyoka piece i don't know i i think that would be a tough thing to say it's definitely my favorite thing from sim city hmm. and it is the piece of hers that i think i think about more than anything else not to say it's the best thing but when i first heard this it really struck a chord with me it's amazingly uh, beautiful i mean i love that progression where you essentially you start on the one and you go to the major two again evoking that same kind of uh lydian mode thing that we were talking sure. about but then you do the uh you have the four the minor four that kind of great thing that you guys know right <laughs> comes from uh popular music but it, you know, what's great about that is that type of progression and i mean this piece is so simple uh what the harmonies are doing are you know really 50 percent wasn't this on our short weight. loops episode it, it might have been uh, but the, the thing i so love about it is doesn't it just feel like nintendo it feels oh, yeah. so iconically of that sound yet i think she kind of found her own way there this isn't a specific progression that i feel like koji kondo you know has used if we were ever um had the opportunity to go to japan to interview some of these you know uh heyday game composers i would love to track her down and and sit down with her and 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 just ask her more about her influences and what kind of music she likes it would be such a treat for her to to return to the industry uh we're going to play something later today of a late era oka composition um from a generation that i didn't even know she's she still worked in so that's going to be a treat for any of you oka fans you might not have heard that before but oh my gosh she's just she's just absolutely the the other thing i I want you to look um here which uh something i think is so great um is in this soundtrack there's uh bad evaluation and And good good evaluation. evaluation and they're kind of sort of built around the same nugget uh but yeah. good evaluation does use that i guess carl would want to say the pomp and circumstance bump 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 oh bum, bum, and now bum, i'm i'm bum. remembering on our short loops episode there was like five or six wonderful short loops from sim city it was almost like right the whole episode could have just been sim city that's another huge uh nintendo thing i feel like the idea of these kind of short uh jingles in the context of you know post arcade game music i mean we think of the early days of the arcade you know those jingles that's really all we had but right. i think there's a lot of classic nintendo games that really have that idea of maybe like an eight or nine second loop well guys it's finally time to move on to maybe her most popular and maybe her best project she ever worked on super mario kart 
definitely for me, I think this is my favorite thing she's ever done. Um, it's so incredibly influential. And, and you can see that influence, you know, last year with the release of Mario Kart 8. Be, you know, the way that they evoked that title theme in the, the Mario Kart 8, you know, right. version was so powerful because you realize that a lot of the series actually owes maybe more than anything to her original score right she had this wonderful idea to incorporate latin music mm -hmm. to incorporate jazz jazz fusion pop the already pre-established koji kondo mario right. sound well, all in there's one something bag. that can kind of happen with uh i think games that exist or really anything that exists in a series when you have one composer do the first title and then another composer who's mm -hmm. well known for continuing it uh, you see stuff like that you could sort of say castlevania is like that where once mature Yamani gets there now she's identified as right. the Castlevania But what about composer? the people who started uh, it? But yeah. the biggest example for me is this game is Mario Kart series and Metroid. Mm -hmm. You know, oftentimes we associate, you know, uh oftentimes we really think about Kenji Yamamoto. Oftentimes we really think about Kenji Yamamoto and uh, Minako Hamano as they're kind of like the Metroid composers through and through. And we sort of forget about the pioneers. Yeah, the things that Hirokazu Tanaka did so that's for really why setting the groundwork. For we're so excited to spotlight a little bit here today. We're going to play, I think, six tracks. We Well, we've played one playing in. We're going to play five more here from Super Mario Kart. Oh my gosh. So delightful. Let's take a listen to the first racetrack you hear in the game. Mario Circuit. knows her stuff. I mean, there's a lot of composers that go for Latin, and sometimes it's like, like, oh, okay, I guess that's cute, but I don't know, she's making a case here. Th this is just such cool, like, music that's taken seriously but it's also fun and plucky like right. you can't get more classic than this when i think of super nintendo i think of super mario kart this is a game that is just colorful and exciting and you can see and hear and feel the energy the exciting energy that right. that was at nintendo when this game well, came out i mean out. literally some of the uh the themes that she wrote would kind of continue on in this series like what yeah. she did for rainbow road there's almost in every game there's some sort of nod to that also sure. in in this piece, the ba -na -ba 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 -na -ba -ba, that kind of chromatic yeah. uh, rise up uh, is also sort of a, a something that became a common device in Mario Kart music, and uh, some of the things that the musical, I guess, sort of sound effects are such an iconic part of this series. So much is owed to her. Yeah, I mean, I guess you guys know some of our opinions of the Mario Kart series. I would love to hear future Nintendo composers study Super Mario Kart a little bit closer. Actually listen to the entire thing all the way through. Because I think one thing that happens, and we can all be guilty of this, is over the course of time, we kind of play this game of like cultural telephone where yeah. we're like, oh yeah, I, th I know what that is. I, I know right. what Mario Kart well, is. Mario Kart has definitely gone through a, a weird generation of yeah. that where from this to 64 is quite a departure, oh but the music is still great. And then that just sort of starts it to dilute going, and dilute. Yeah. And by the time you get 
to you know Mario Kart Wii and you Mario Kart You almost have 7. nothing left. Yeah, of, it's of this. it's just become you know kind of saccharine and annoying. But that's what was great about Mario Kart Eight is yeah. I did feel like someone over there had the idea to well, really go and back the to the thing to board. remember when this game came out, it wasn't you know the first of a series. It was just a spinoff game. Exactly. It was a, they didn't know if it would work. It was a Super Mario racing game. Mm-hmm. So she really uh, what I think she kind of established is that it needs to have one foot in the Koji Kondo tradition and her way of doing that was by kind of uh, going to the things that inspired him and so Latin this, yeah this music it, it's much more authentic to Latin well, music and, the and reason Latin rhythms why Mario Kart 8 makes me smile is because this is written for an ensemble a live band sure almost more than Koji's Mario music ever with was. a synth bass with exactly. that really let's move on to a wonderful track this is Donut Plains Isn't there a good remix of this in Mario Kart 8? There is. What's interesting about the way that this one is remixed is that it's not as bold a choice. You know, with mm-hmm. so many of the uh, the remixes in that game, it's like done with a full big band. But with this, there's really not much to improve on. I yeah. mean, they just sort of, they they have an actual organ doing the organ lines. Um, but it's very faithful to the original arrangement. And I think that's a testament to a really great composer when yeah. you can take a piece like this that's, you know, 30-some years old, uh, some something that uh, existed with these very very sort of strict hardware limitations. And you can get really close yeah. to and it. And when you're trying to uh, create it for modern instrumentation, be like, you know, we don't really have to change well, that Well, I mean, I might be in the minority. I know Will is kind of a similar taste to me. Is That's actually my favorite kind of remix. Right. <laughs> is when they just take what was great about the original and do it with, you know, maybe right higher yeah. Higher fidelity, crystal clear, like the HD version, you know. Right. Uh, but yeah, th- this soundtrack is uh, so wonderful. And something I want to point out that happens in this track that, again, I don't think Soya Oko realized would be such an influence. It's something we talked about in our uh, cliche episode um, that there's a certain not just progression, but a uh, a certain type of chord movement Mm -hmm. that is so... I guess Nintendo, but very specifically Mario yeah, bum, Kart. Bum, 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 ba, dum, bum, bum. Yeah. And I mean, with that rhythm, it, it, you can the obviously hear the Snowland. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but th- the idea of like a major chord, um, the one chord moving to the four, but you still have the one in the bass, and then instead of moving to the five, you it, you, it sort of creates this interesting like seventh sure. chord anyways not to get too technical but that's something that happens in this track and that is i think one of the most influential things for the rest of this series because that really seems like uh a huge staple of what mario kart music is trying to do well guys we couldn't be more excited to move on to this week's track of the week 
This is Koopa Beach from Super Mario Kart, composed by Soyo Oka, and it's another um, example of uh, her doing Latin music, maybe more pure than any other piece in the game. This is absolutely right. pure Latin. It's very melodic. Koji Kondo would look on this track and smile. I'm sure he did. Let's take a listen to Koopa Beach. guys are listening to koopa beach which is this week's track of the week from super mario kart for the snes oh i i'm so in love with uh this piece everything about it is lovely it's that kind of elevator music it has an unimpeachable melody every note is uh perfect uh it's it's just delightful. This reminds me of that um, great. of that public domain music that you're really into, like yeah. something like in the 40s or 50s mm-hmm. or 60s. Yeah, yeah, that stuff. Particularly the 50s and 60s. It's kind of this really lush jazz orchestra stuff where mm-hmm. you get the benefit of really colorful orchestration and a huge uh, ensemble sound, but also uh, influence from kind of like big band harmony and yeah that's a, that's just a perfect track i mean that's maybe the best mario kart track of the whole series well, and also uh it, it does that great thing that some of my favorite video game music does where it's so catchy that not only is the melody really catchy but every divisible yeah. element dun, 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 of it dun, 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 yeah dun, dun, yep. it's identifiable on its own you have well that's a great that's identified the bass the bass line is so freaking catchy and everything has its own melodic character it, that's one of those things where it just it really feels like a perfect well that's song. a great point you could solo every single track every single channel and you would enjoy it i would enjoy just the bass just the percussion even yeah that's it's a killer piece of music all right let's now move on to vanilla lake This is quite interesting because it, it kind of gets the same kind of public domain 50s, 60s Latin elevator music vibe that we got in Koopa Beach. But to my ear, I'm hearing a little bit more of Soyooka's own kind of tastes come mm-hmm. into play here. Well, what do you think is, is unique about this track? It's very similar, maybe superficially, to Koopa Beach. If you were tried to, um, you know, maybe explain what's different about this track. Yeah, I, I, I think um, it... it 
it's something that has this very cyclical nature to it. I think those rhythms really help. And there's a lot of internal repetition. Mm-hmm. Like you have the dun 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 Sure. Stuff like that when that happens where within the form of something these lines are repeating a lot is a very effective device for when the overall form needs to repeat a lot because it sort of disguises when is that that loop point really happening. Uh, it's a very simple piece. It, it's more harmonically based rather than uh, yeah. based on this standout melody. In that Koopa Beach track, there's this clear dichotomy between you sure. know, melody, harmony, bass. Um, and so I think that's something that makes this piece stand out a little bit. Also, there's something about this that... It feels so... I, I can't explain it, and this is going to sound like a cop-out, but it just feels so Mario Kart. And I don't just mean this game, but of uh, the lineage of this series and what it kind of became. It feels closer to that than really like the Super Mario Brothers series. And something I was thinking about while we were playing this is... Soya Oka has had so much opportunity to follow in the footsteps of Koji Kondo, and I imagine that's a big pressure. But what's interesting with her work on the Super Nintendo, it seems like every time she's tasked in sort of a Mario situation, uh, it seems like she's kind of learning on the job and getting closer and closer to Koji's actual music. With Mario Kart, it feels distinctly different. I mean, there's elements of it, but then you think about her work on All Stars. Oh my uh, gosh! Yeah. You know the the Super Mario. Mario, like the arrangements she did of Koji's music, the Mario One Overworld well, well, is guys, so different. But as she progresses through the games, she gets more closer and closer to Koji's original sound. Well, one reason I wanted to play Vanilla Lake is I wanted to just do something. I'm just going to play this over my phone here for you guys. I'm not sure if some of you are aware of this, but there was a, a beta release where people found out that you could listen to the Vanilla Lake beta track that Soyooka originally composed, and it's a different piece. So very quickly, let's, let's show you guys what the beta version of Vanilla Lake sounded like. Pretty interesting. You're still getting that <laughs> synth bass there, and it's it's totally different. In some ways, I do feel like her her final Vanilla Lake was more fitting for the level and for maybe the vibe of the game. But it's cool stuff. Sure, yeah. I, I wonder if uh, she had sort of a different idea for the direction. It's possible uh, she initially wanted to do. Uh, some kind of more rocking-based ba- score that she thought would fit a racing game. Guys, what if... And the idea was, we needed to feel like Mario. Let's try to... What if there was all these beta, other beta versions out there that she has somewhere at, at her house of, like, the Mario Circuit beta, and it was completely different? I That's another thing I would love to ask her about. All right, guys, final track we're going to play from Super Mario Kart. This one's badass. This is Rainbow Road. <laughs> Thank you. 
You know, listening to this today was the first time that I was actually getting some Star Fox vibes from this track. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's not like, you know, Star Fox is trying to send up Jerry Goldsmith and John Williams, and I feel like in that moment, the ba 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 in the way it's voiced with all those Some of the instruments of remind me, too. Voices, yeah, it, it really, it sounds uh, very film music-y. Well, it's interesting how it's like, I think, just a year later, Star Fox came out a the year later. The interesting, though, is, is this piece is kind of like... It's a piece of music in its its uh, like alpha state, because that statement the da 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 that's what gets always quoted in yeah. all the subsequent Rainbow Roads, but almost in a better context. There, you know, you think of some of the classic mm-hmm. like um, N sixty four one is uh, probably the most famous, and I would say maybe my favorite. Uh, uh, the Kenton Nagata one, but the way that he quotes that theme, it hits this level. It almost makes you want to cry. Like it's so mm-hmm. emotional because not only is it hearkening back to an early piece of music, but just that statement in and of itself has this power and sense of finality to it. And since Rainbow Road is always like the last track of the game, yeah. it feels uh, so fittingly. And that's what's so great is. Um, Though maybe a lot of people don't talk about Soya Oka, maybe don't really think a lot about this first Mario Kart game, Mm -hmm. her influence is still everywhere. I mean, the Mario Kart series is one of the most popular video game franchises. Well, I think it's a testament all over. Her impact is all over, but it's a testament to that uh, wonderful little theme there. Because when you can hear that and it makes you almost tear up in a Mario Kart game, that we get emotional by the music is. You know, the other funny thing is. she spent a lot of time, I think, studying Koji Kondo and trying to get into that world. But this is a case where something that she wrote kind of almost influenced. When you think of mm-hmm. what's the main theme for Super Mario Galaxy, bum, bum, sure. bum, 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 bum. Yeah. you know, the first time I heard that, I was kind of like, oh, wow, it's almost like they're yeah. borrowing influence from Mario <laughs> Rainbow Kart. Road. That's funny. Well, speaking of, you know, following Koji's footsteps, let's move on to a very high-profile release. came out in 1993. This is Super Mario All-Stars. This was, again, introducing these games to a new generation of gamers that potentially never played Mario 1, 2, or 3 before. So, you know, it has a new 16-bit coat of paint. Uh, she did a wonderful job arranging those classic themes a lot of people would consider her versions the definitive versions if that's what they grew up sure. with, you know? When I think of that uh, 16-bit version of the overworld theme of Mario 1, it does feel incredibly classic and incredibly feel good. Right. She it's, did a wonderful job. It's the job. most bold choice, I mean, where she really changed rhythms yeah. and reharmonized things. I think as the... Uh, as the soundtrack progressed and she as got the closer games and grew, closer, yeah, yeah, I think she maybe gained more of an appreciation well, we're play for the specific part writing. A couple tracks from Mario All Stars, and these are original compositions by Soyo Oka. Let's take a listen to the title. It's absolutely wonderful. I mean, this feels so classic Mario. It helps that she's using the same instrument sample set of 
Mario World. Right. Which definitely makes it feel familiar to people. But that have I mean, heard that's that. such a dis- it's just saying it's that alone. I mean, it's no, a no, no, no. It's, it's a beautiful melody. I mean, I'm still, I'm not 100% convinced that this isn't Kochi Kondo because we really have no idea. When you look at the actual, the crediting of this soundtrack, Soya Oka actually doesn't, like on the on the file itself, it's just credited to Kochi Kondo. Um, so but for, she's credited everywhere else as Right, for, for working on the game and adding the new music. But, you know, there's no way of knowing. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know if we found out that that was because we know that Koji's written themes for games where he's not the sole composer sure um, I just find it ironic but, that a title of this size I feel like that would have come out by now well the thing um, that's also interesting about this is if that's not the case I have a feeling this was probably the last thing she did where sure she just spent all that time with Koji's music and really got immersed in that type of harmony and those pieces and I think she just became uh really inspired the new music that she composed for all stars is amazing so great and it just kind of seamlessly fits in mm-hmm. to your memory of those games to the point where when you're when you're actually playing all stars it doesn't feel like oh there's all this new music added yeah like you, you know, know it feels an so example natural. being maybe like the boss the bowser boss right. thing that she added to mario one and guys this is probably the strongest example here you hear this next piece of music and you're like wasn't that always there because it feels so happy this is the bonus stage theme from mario all stars I feel like the game is better with this theme. I in agree, it. and actually, I am a hundred percent certain this is Soyooka. Because yeah, now, absolutely. after listening to that versus Excite Bike and some of the Famicom, no, DS this music, is definitely it's no, so clear. I, I was just saying that 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 title theme, uh, it, it feels like so like. I think that's nose. a testament to um, how but, good I mean, she is. You know, I don't think you're ever gonna completely know. Uh, but yeah, this is so wonderful. I love this theme, and this was the the versions that I grew up with were the All Stars versions. So there's something I remember my experience of playing the original NES uh, Super Mario Brothers, and you know, going down that that first warp pipe mm-hmm. into the bonus stage and hearing the underground music. I was like jolted. I was like, oh, like it's kind of weird. I didn't know that I was going to be feeling kind of like sad or scared. Where what's so great about the bonus stage, you feel kind of rewarded for finding the secrets. It, it does something to the gameplay where, to me, it actually elevates one of the core engagements of Super Mario Brothers, which is that there's all these hidden paths that there's not sure. one way to traverse the experience well and for the vigilant gamers it rewards you for finding out the secrets and the music is kind of saying like hey good job you found something special well, it also doesn't make any sense for anything but this kind of music to be played when you go in that secret area it should be fun it should be like oh look you found a secret it shouldn't be scary right. and this is just the best bonus theme ever composed for a game you can't beat this bonus i mean as far as bonus this is like a textbook example how to write a bonus i mean stage. she's she's so using the um the it's like a it's an arrangement of the overworld theme bum 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 uh 
but, but almost unrecognizable because she takes it in so many new places. It feels like like an original. Sure, I mean it's piece. kind of like what Koji does with the bonus stage theme in Super Mario World. You know, I know this was a huge theme. influence to Marty for his bonus theme in Hello World. So, all right, guys, now we're going to move on to a title that I love. It's kind of a lesser known title. It was a very late Nintendo game, one of the latest, I think 1994, but for the NES, right? This is Wario's Woods, and my favorite piece of music. Uh, we it feels like we just played recently so i'm not going to play that today but just know that that's my favorite from the score what we are going to play today is the title screen from wario's woods composed by soyo oka guys are listening to the title screen this is just so nostalgic she's going back to the nes after years being away from it and there is something that kind of almost brings a tear to my eye because it's um, in, in knowing that you know a year after this she left nintendo um i don't know there is something kind of kind of sad this i think was the last nintendo project she worked on and there's something kind of sad about this yeah something uh bittersweet the end of an era definitely uh, I think there there was something that she brought to the table that was very unique and incredibly influential for that collective sound that is unmistakably Nintendo. I mean, again, that's what's so what's so great when whether you know it's it's looking at say like Pixar or any any like g- group you know where it's not just one individual making a collection of incredible pieces of art. What's so wonderful about it is it can be traced back to just the talent of these individual people and their contribution. While we're finishing up talking about that, in the background, I'm going to play that track that was my favorite from Mario's Woods. This is called Go from Mario's Woods. And again, when you hear this, it also has this sense of sadness or melancholy or like, oh no, the adventure's over. In some ways, now knowing that this was Soyo's final Nintendo project, there's something that makes me feel like it's like a goodbye, like, oh, it's been great, guys. And it just makes me really sad. But we don't need to be that sad because we still have... um, more music we're gonna show. sort of yeah the the um the dessert of this episode uh is kind of exciting that um her career didn't end uh with nintendo so we're gonna move on to a track that if you're a fan of soyoka you probably haven't heard this before i had to research this and luckily i was able to find this she scored a couple games in uh later generations she did a gba game I believe a PS1 game and a PS2 game, actually. This is a PS2 game. It came out in, I think, 2004. It's called Nurse Witch Komugi, which is, I think, based on an anime. And it's a really cool soundtrack. And I I shared this with Will. Uh, And this was, I think, his favorite from the soundtrack. We're going to play a track called Exploring. And it's so great to have another little reminder of... But in some ways, it makes me even sadder because it's like, oh, she still has more that that she can say. But... It's a wonderful little treat here, guys. Let's take a listen to Exploring from Nurse Witch Kamugi. Mm-hmm. 
She is such a treat. I absolutely love her music. And this is a really cool discovery. This reminds me of her work on SimCity. Um, it, it, Will is making a point that they should hire her and bring her back into the industry to work on Animal Crossing. Well, because not necessarily with this track, but I, I highly recommend uh, you guys check out the score, uh, especially if you're fans of um, her music. Because Nurse Witch Kamugi. Yeah, you hear her Nintendo origins uh, for sure. And to hear them presented in this slightly more modern context, I think is uh, a really just a treat. Um, I, yeah, I, I thought this piece was so delightful. And what's what's fun to me also is that here's someone who's sort of like, I don't know, trained by Koji Kondo, brought up, you know, through the Nintendo tradition composing for you know, all these classic titles, right. but now going off in writing music for, you know, PlayStation games. And what's kind of cool is like, there's a part of me that feels proud that, uh, that great music like that in that those types of harmonies, those types of melodies are almost like going in and infecting those other consoles. But I just wish that she would have kept with it. It's, yeah. Um, I mean, she, you know, maybe she was reaching the age of, of retirement. She, I think potentially maybe moved on to some other sort of project of her own, but we love you, Soyo Oka. Thank you so much for everything you've done. I, at some point, it'd be great to, to try to track her down, interview her. Guys, we're going to play out with a track from Famicom Grand Prix 2 3D Hot Rally. This is the title screen for this wonderful FDS game. This is going to really sum things up. All right, guys. Next week is going to be non-Nintendo music. So, yeah. Um, well, thanks so much uh, for for bearing with us. This is I is this the fourth Nintendo month uh, that we've done? Yes, the fourth. Um, it, it's such a treat to get to do this, and it's such a uh, a delight for us to get to do this podcast. Uh, once again, we want to thank everybody who came out to Gamers Rhapsody uh, a couple weekends ago. We had uh, just a blast. The debut of the Super Mercado Brothers Band. Mm-hmm. Uh, playing live music was yeah, hopefully you was guys are enjoying joy. the panel uh, the was videos, great yeah. yeah if you guys haven't checked out uh, last thursday on thanksgiving we posted uh, a audio. bonus episode which was just the audio from our panel uh, so if you guys want to check that out and then i think we released at least the first video you know at the time when this comes out i think we'll, we'll have released at least one video of the live show yeah, cool. I'm I'm really excited to share that with everybody. So thanks again for joining us today for looking at Soya Oka. Uh, this has been such a fun month, such a fun time. And and you know the reason we do Nintendo Month is because that was really the catalyst of doing the podcast was playing great Nintendo music. We love Nintendo right. music. So thanks everyone for sticking with us. Next week's going to be a nice change of pace. You can um, find us on iTunes if you want to subscribe to us or leave us a review on there. Our website is supermercadobros.com. You can find every episode of the podcast as well our original music we have a lot of that um you can also follow us on twitter at marcado bros and you can like us on facebook and i think that's about it patreon yeah patreon thanks to all of our patrons you can support us on there uh if you're interested that's a great way for you to you know chip in a little bit and keep this ship afloat and you know that patreon is 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 so important because it it helps us with our costs that we have every single month, you know, the website and, and hosting fees and all that. So. Right, exactly. And now uh, with this live band and um, rehearsals for that, there's all this other equipment. Also for uh, when we uh, go to things like MAGFest, sure. uh, there's travel expenses and all kinds of stuff. So but thanks for everyone for supporting us in the various ways that you support us. Yeah. Uh, we, I, we really love you I've guys. I've been feeling very uh, grateful. You know, today is Thanksgiving uh, here in the U.S. So, so thank you guys. Uh, yeah. 
yeah, I've been reflecting on the things that I'm thankful for, and we just have such an incredibly loyal, dedicated, and a sweet group of listeners. And I'm going to talk to Will after this, but I have a little teeny little idea of another little um, Patreon-exclusive download that I might try to put up in the next couple days for you guys, because you guys are awesome. All right, we're going to play you out with uh, 3D Hot Rally. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. Have a great week, everybody. Peace out. <laughs>